Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Voice of Adoptees, which brings together diverse and unique voices from around the world to share their stories. If you liked today's episode, remember to give us a like, subscribe, and leave a review. Here's your host, David Shunk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Voice of Adoptees. Today, we are joined by Kat down in New York. She's a very special guest as she is our very own producer here at Voice of Adoptees. Kat, welcome. It's always good to see you. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Absolutely. So why don't you tell us about yourself and your story? Okay. Well, I was adopted at a young age from Domodedovo, Russia, so Moscow. I grew up in New Jersey for all of my life, and soon I shall be moving to Scotland. So yeah, that's a bit about me. <laughs> wow. Where in uh, Scotland? Glasgow. Definitely Glasgow. I want to be near the city and around everything else that's going on over there. And it'll be nice because I can not only go into the city of Glasgow, but I can also travel elsewhere, like to the Highlands and maybe just around the UK in general. I'm very, very excited. It's a it's a new time for me. Yeah, that's definitely going to be different. When do you expect to get over there? I definitely start planning for Christmas. Oh, okay. I definitely want to plan Christmas and live in, like, be over there during Christmas time, so... Nice. That's really cool. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do as producer here, for those who don't know you? Basically, I handle the back end. So when someone sets up an interview, I help write the questions. I also talk about the promotion ideas, making sure everything runs smoothly here on the back end for Voice of Adoptees. And yeah. So if this episode doesn't come out smoothly 100%, we blame you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I usually chew you out. That's for right. That. That's right. <laughs> but I make sure that everything does run smoothly on on that end. And we make sure that we have every everyone enjoys their experience with voice of adoptees. Nice. That's awesome. So let's base about your Russian story. You gave us a little bit of information just where you're from, but let's dive a little bit deeper. How much information okay. do you have about your adoption? So about that, it was interesting because... I had heard different things from my adoptive mom that weren't necessarily good. And when you're little and you want to know about your family, it's, it's, she painted my family in a way that was very negative. I also found out that I was adopted when I was seven. And the way I found out was quite traumatic because I found out through watching a videotape that I found in a cupboard. It had my biological brother on it asking to be adopted so he could be reunited with me. And that in itself was quite traumatic for for a small child to find out. Otherwise, I had never found out that I was adopted. And ever since then, my mom was more hesitant about me wanting to reconnect to my Russian heritage, wanting to find out more about my family saying terrible things about them. And I had always been curious about being adopted, about who my family was, about my identity, about where my looks came from, where my eyes came from. I always felt I was very different from my adoptive family. I could just tell I was not related to them. I was interested in different things. I am a very different type of person than all of them combined. 
And I think that's a very good thing because many of the attributes that I have are exactly like my biological family. And it was very exciting to kind of find that out and go on that journey. It was a journey of self-discovery. It was, it took a very long time for me to find out who I was and what I liked and who Cat is because there's Katarina and then there's Cat. Okay. So I actually had no idea that it was seven years old until you found out that you were adopted. I Maybe you mentioned that to me in the past, but I honestly don't remember. So before you were seven, if you didn't know you were adopted, I mean, what was the earliest memory of Russia you had? It's interesting because I do have a very vague memory of a place that I was, that I had discovered was the orphanage. I can remember beige walls. I can remember a certain picture on the wall. I remember being on this rocking horse and holding my Russian doll, which I still have to this day. It was from the orphanage. So that is my earliest memory. But I do not remember meeting my adoptive mom or any of the other children that were there. But apparently my both my biological brother and I were at the same orphanage. And he was there until he was 18. Wow. So it, he, was, he was still adopted at 18 or he was, did he stay in Russia or? At the time, my parents, my adoptive parents wanted to adopt him. Unfortunately, the doors had closed. And by the time they had opened back up, he, he was not up for adoption for some reason. They wanted to keep him in the orphanage. When he was 18, he was able to return home was my understanding. He, he was reunited with my biological mother who was there at the time. Okay. Okay. So when you got this information and you started to figure out that you were adopted, what questions came to mind right away that you went to your mother about your biological, I'm sorry, your adoptive mother about, I'm sure you had a million questions. Do you remember some of the questions that, you know, came out first, I guess? I'll never forget because when you find out that you're adopted, it, your whole world is shaken up. You question everything about yourself. You question, you believe that everything is basically a lie. And if we, if we look at ourselves like we're a mirror, we're broken. It breaks, right? So we're trying to pick up the pieces and put them back together and try to figure out who we are. The first question I had is, well, who's my real, who are my real parents? Yeah. Do, did I have siblings? Because I didn't remember my biological brother at the time. I didn't understand, you know, then I started, it moved from questions like that to where do I get my eyes from? Is this where I get this part of my personality from? I enjoy different things that my family doesn't enjoy. Is that something that is from my biological family sort of deal? I am interested and attracted to very specific things. Is it because of my biological family? I like certain drinks. Did my biological parents enjoy that? Who was my mom? Who was my dad? Who was my brother? What is Russia like? Questions like that really come to the forefront of your mind Yeah. at first. When you go on with your life, as you grow and as you live your life, you start asking questions about other people, seeing that for me growing up, I was the only adopted child in my entire area. I felt very alone. I felt very isolated. I felt no one understood me. That was very difficult for me. So I started asking questions about what about my life would be different, one, if I stayed in Russia, 
And two, if I was the biological child of my adoptive parents, how would my life be different as a whole? There was a, there was a time where I wished that I had not been adopted because perhaps my life would have been better. Once I found my family, I realized how quickly that would not have been the case. I would have been struggling much harder than I am right now. And over time, as a 31-year-old, I am grateful for my adoption. No matter what trauma my adoptive mom has put me through, no matter what terrible things I had gone through, all of that made me stronger, more resilient. It made me into the person I am today. And I thank the universe every day for my adoption. Yeah. Well, definitely quite the journey from going from having all these feelings where at first it might be very negative, but then you realize it and you think about it and you grow and you realize how in the end it actually helped in some ways looking back and that you're grateful. But it's hard at the time to, you know, especially age, you have to take that into account. But it's good that you were able to, on a positive side, take that experience and make it into something that's healthy rather than something that you regret your entire life. I think that's very important. Definitely, because people are very afraid of things that they don't understand. They get they get upset over the fact that they don't understand it. It's not something that's instantaneous. When we're a child, we, we don't always understand the reasons why our parents say no to things, want us to be a certain way, whatever the case may be, put us through certain things. And when we're older, we look back at that and we either go, oh, they put me through that and I'm still upset about it. And we hold on to this anger or we continue to grow in a different way and we let go of it saying, they put me through that, but I needed to go through it in order to be the person I am today. And we take their negatives and we learn from them. We grow from them. We realize these are things that we do not want to do. And we do not want to continue the cycle. I certainly wanted to break it. Yeah. It didn't matter if it came from my adoptive mom or if it came from my biological family, like a generational trauma sort of thing. I knew I was going to break the cycle. I, I wanted something different out of life than the hardship and the, the anger that I had dealt with for 95% of my life. Have you ever, when you found this information right at seven, did you have uh, negative thoughts and feelings towards your adoptive mother at the time? For example, did you kind of resent her? I did. I felt very betrayed. And I feel that is a very normal thing. It's normal to feel that way where you feel anger is a secondary emotion. When we don't understand what we're feeling, our default is either to anger or sadness. So the first feelings that usually we feel is a sense of betrayal because we feel that we were lied to throughout our, our existence, basically. And once we, again, grow older and we really start to unpack those feelings and why we felt that way and we get to the root of what the issue is, then we can understand and we can grow from that. So I felt betrayed, but not only that, I felt used in a way. Sometimes parents like to adopt children for this sort of complex that they're on a white horse. Oh, look at me. I've saved this child. And there are times when I'm sure many of us who are adopted can feel that way. We don't necessarily feel it's out of like love or want. I definitely felt that way growing up. And again, 
it wasn't until my mom passed away recently that I understood that it wasn't for that reason. Parents don't always know how to, there's no book on being a parent. There's no, there's no, you know what I mean? Right. So I can understand looking back as a 31 year old, I can understand why she acted in certain ways because she didn't know how to, she didn't know how to showcase her love properly. Sometimes when you're too strict as a parent, it comes off not only as overbearing, but as controlling. And that pushes away your adoptive child because they won't understand it. And as the parent, all you want to do is try and protect them. And you, it's not always translated properly. So how was your relationship with your adoptive mother? How did it change throughout the years? Or did it change? It did change. In the beginning, it it was on and off tumultuous because I just, I did not understand her. To this day, I can sit here and say there were things that she did that I did not understand. I was very close to my father, my adoptive father. I was so close to him. We had a great, great, great relationship, the two of us. And it was because he was the opposite of how she was. She was very controlling. She was very, very much a worry wart. He was not that way. He wanted me to go through life, make my mistakes and learn from them. She would rather me not make any mistakes and be perfect. Right. So our relationship was on and off. The way my dad would explain it was the two of you are like cats and dogs when you get together. Like, but we were fighting because she was, she wanted it a certain way. I wanted it a different way. And again, after her death, I just feel that the way that I am, she raised a really solid child. And because of that, I can continue forward knowing that I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to make her proud. I'm going to use the strength and resilience throughout my life and make myself stronger. And I I have her to thank for that. And at the end of our relationship, it was bittersweet. It was a bittersweet moment. And I feel that even though I don't always acknowledge it, I do feel that I am close to her Yeah. in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of her that is in me, and I'm very grateful again. Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at being from Russia, right, and growing up, and I like to always touch about everyone's kind of like childhood years a little bit. Were you ever bullied or treated any differently because you were adopted or did people think it was cool? Kind of like, what was your experience with that with other uh, children? Well, growing up, I went to a Catholic school. Oh. So we can touch on that a little bit. Sure. In the Catholic school, I was the only adopted child, like I had said. Yep. And... There was a lot of, there's a lot of this stigma that when you're adopted, you're one orphaned, which is not necessarily true. Not all adoptees are orphans and not all orphans are adoptees. And with children, children can be quite mean. They didn't understand what adoption meant. People think that when you're adopted, it's because one, you're orphaned or more likely that you just were not wanted. So I got a lot of that kind of rhetoric growing up where, oh, you weren't wanted. So why would we want to be your friend? Because you were given up by your family. You weren't wanted. So we don't want to be friends with you either. I had a lot of 
abandonment issues because of it. I would, I was a people pleaser. I really wanted people to like me. I wanted friends so desperately. I re- I'll never forget it. I stole, I stole money from my mom, which obviously I got a hand for. I stole a lot of money from my mom just to buy pretzels, just to give out to people because I wanted them to like me. It was about $200 worth of pretzels for like a sixth grader. It was a lot. And at the time, mom was mad at me for obviously stealing, but she didn't see that I was just trying to do whatever it took to be friends with people. And I think that's also something that's very common. Another thing that I also, my mom would make the comment about how I messed up my own childhood. I don't necessarily agree because you cannot blame And I want all adoptees to hear this because it is not your fault that you feel these things. It is not your fault that you have any of these issues, quote unquote. I don't see them as issues. I see them as works in progress. If you were the type of person who was like me growing up, you're going to know that you wanted friends so desperately, but you, once you had those friends, you didn't trust them enough to stay. So you would do these things that are unconscious and you would push them away. And then when they would push, be pushed away, you would be sad about it and be like, well, I knew you were going to leave anyway, sort of deal. That was very much how I was. I wanted friends so desperately. I would do things that I didn't even realize I was doing because of that. And that also, that naturally, that made it very difficult for me, one, to trust other people, two, to keep friends, and three, to understand how I worked. And it, again, it wasn't until I became an adult, I would say about the age of 25, that I really realized what the heck I was doing. And that's a whole other journey. Yeah. Did you ever meet anyone else who was adopted when you were younger? Not when I was younger, but once I hit my teens and I went into public school, I was able to, to meet not only someone who was adopted, but also other people who were Russian. I had a Russian teacher in the school. She had a son. It was nice because there were other people from Russia who was part of my heritage, even though at that time I did not speak Russian. I was not allowed to learn Russian growing up. So I learned Spanish instead, which I wish I had really pushed forth and tried to learn Russian more, really tried to maintain my heritage. But it is something I definitely will push for for my children. Yeah, they can be your translator then. <laughs> right, um, exactly. So, well, it was. It, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It was always interesting because when I would meet other Russians, they would look at me kind of funny, and not just in my town, but throughout college, throughout my life, people who I didn't know who were from Russia, I would say, I'm from Russia too. And they would look at me and be like, no, you're American. And I always felt a way about it because in my mind, I'm 100% Russian. I was born in Moscow. I, I have the attitude and the mentality of a Russian, like I'm as Russian as it gets. I'm more Russian than my adoptive grandmother who was born in Belarus. Yeah, I heard you're pretty stubborn too. <laughs> Personal experience. I'm stubborn and I know what I want. I go after it and I keep people in check, you know? I also do, I also do enjoy the stereotypical vodka, but that's a whole other thing, you know, I'm poking fun at myself. But yeah, and it's that's that's also a reoccurring theme of my life. I'm too American to Russians and I'm too Russian to Americans. Yep. Heavy eye roll. <laughs> yeah. 
It's, that seems to be a good trend with a lot of Russian adoptees. They say the same thing, especially when they get really excited as they get older. They want to associate themselves with their original you know, beginnings, their original culture. And everyone's so excited to jump up and down and say, oh, you know, look at me, I'm Russian. And then, you know, the, they're all looking at you going, all right, well, you don't speak any of the language. You don't celebrate the holidays. You don't cook the food. So I'm sorry, how are you Russian again? <laughs> right. And I think that's an interesting point. That's always such an interesting point when I hear it, because I this is not just something that's for Russian adoptees, but it's for many, many adoptees who are adopted at a young age, where it's there's this limbo of not knowing where to place themselves because they're they want to they want to embrace their heritage, but also they're being rejected by their very heritage at the same time. And there's many, many other adoptees who understand and relate to that experience. It all goes back to kind of your self-identity and your self-worth. I definitely had extreme self-worth problems growing up and there are things that I still cope with. And I mean, even for me, I had not only the self-worth issues from my adoptive mom, which also made me very much stronger because now in this moment, I know exactly who I am. Right. I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't have known that had she not been a certain sort of way, but also just this, I, there's a way that I feel a sort of comparison where I look at a Russian woman and I feel like I need to look like them whether it's in my face, in my body, in certain areas, whatever, it, it led to sort of a dysmorphia kind of complex about myself that I still also struggle with. And I'm really trying to work through. And I know that there's probably other adoptees out there who have also experienced it. And I just wanted to put that in there to let them know they were not alone. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I was actually about to ask a question about that. A very common problem in a lot of adoptees that they face is this whole uh, identity, I was going to call it a crisis, but it's really, it's, it's just reoccurring theme that I've noticed that a lot of adoptees struggle with identity and who they are as a person. Do they relate to their themselves as, you know, from day one, or do they relate to themselves as they progress to now? So I'm wondering from your opinion, when it comes to identity, where do you fall? That's a very, it's a good question because I think For those of us who have been adopted at a younger age, like two, three, four, five, we have not been in whichever place that we were originally long enough to identify as that person. We can only identify as where where we are now, basically. Like, how do I explain this? John Locke says, from birth, we are immediately influenced by everyone around us. There's no necessarily original version of ourself that is not influenced. And I can understand this is how I look at it. For even from a young age, I was influenced. When I was adopted, naturally, I was influenced by American values, American-Russian values. My grandmother, again, Belarusian-Russian, part of the USSR. So I was fortunately around Russian heritage. She was cooking us borscht. She was teaching language. She was trying to teach us actually German as well, because she went from Russia to Germany. Mm -hmm. For me, I identify as Kat now, because Katerina is my Russian name, but it is the Russian name my mom would use when she was mad, when she was upset with me. So it's a beautiful name. But when I hear, when people call me Katerina, 
I cringe a little bit and I automatically think I'm in trouble. Yeah. For me, I identify with this version of myself, the 2023 version of myself that emerged after my mom passed. And that version of me combines my Russian heritage because there are Russian things that I do around the house now. I celebrate all of the holidays and everything like that because I've been keeping in contact with my biological brother, so I'm aware of them. But I also hold near and dear the values that my adoptive parents had taught me and raised me on. So it's a mixture of both. And that's why for me personally, I identify as cat, the version, the 2023 version. It's the the most confident, powerful version of myself that I, I think to date, I've never been able to honestly say I feel relieved and I feel free and I feel strong. And I know every adoptee will get there. Every adoptee will get to that point. It may take some time, but they will get there. Yeah. Well, that's definitely promising. So when it comes to your uh, biological relatives, have you done any, I mean, you mentioned about staying in touch with your biological brother. Have you ever did any other searches for any other family members over there? Or, you know, do you have information on them? Kind of tell us a little bit about that. So all of my life, all the information I got about my biological parents and mom and family was through my adoptive mom, where it was a very unfavorable light. I began my search at a very young age. I remember once I was old enough to have the internet, I found out my biological last name and I went looking. Nothing certain, nothing came up. And I was actually, the way I, this is such a cool story because I found my family through Facebook. Someone reached out to me. I had just joined Russian adoptees. Someone reached out to me and they said, oh, are you looking for your family? I can help you. And I kind of thought, oh, yeah, right. I had been literally searching since I was about like 15, 16 on different sites. I mean, you name it, Ancestry, just any site there was. Yeah. Ancestry is the word I remember. And I gave her my last name. I gave her my date of birth. I gave her my biological brother's name, which was looking back quite foolish because you don't know who this person is. They're kind of just messaging you out of the blue. She tried to reassure me that she does this for a living. And no joke, within 30 seconds, she found my biological brother because apparently the same amount of time that I had been searching for them, he had been searching for me. And it was on this website in Russia where you always know the name of it. It's part of a TV show where they look for lost relatives. They search for them. And... She found him. She found his VK account. I created a VK and we asked questions only we would know the answers to. And once it was sort of confirmed, I FaceTimed him. And it's just that moment when you find your family and it's like every single ounce of blood and sweat and tears in your body is screaming at you that this feels right and it's them. And you just know, like your blood knows. Yeah. You know when you're back with your real family. And we, that was it. We've been talking ever since. It was amazing. It was at that time in my life, I forget how old I was. It was during my late teen to college years. And it was revolutionary because all the holes that I had in my spirit, in my heart, in my soul, the way I felt so incomplete, I felt I was never good enough. It closed. It closed for me. 
And I was able to ask different questions, even though I couldn't speak Russian, he couldn't really speak English. Mm -hmm. And now little by little, we're learning each other's language. It was, it was really great. It helped me so much. But I also wonder if I hadn't found them, what would I be like? And I think when people find their families, I wonder if that is a question that they ask. I, I wonder if they wonder what life would have been like if they hadn't found their families for those of us who have found them. Because I know the opposite happens for those who haven't found them yet. Right. Sometimes I realized very quickly the moment that I saw where my brother lived, the type of uh, life he was living, working three jobs just to put food on the table for basically like his family. Basically at that time, it was my mom. Now he has three kids and he works so much. He barely has any time to talk. I knew that I was so much better off where I was very fortunate that I can have a roof over my head, food on the table. I had a job at the time. I didn't need to struggle as hard as my brother did. And I honestly, I think if I stayed in Russia, I don't think I'd be alive. I think I'd be dead because that's how hard of a struggle it is for my particular family. Yeah. Wow. What were some common, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what's your, what were some common topics of discussion between you and your biological brother? Oof. Basically the first thing, the first question. So I don't know if this is the case for other adoptees. The first question I asked was, yep. why was I given up? Why was, and I phrased it literally on Google Translate is, why was I not wanted? And I, I wonder if that's the common phrasing that all adoptees use once they find their family. And the common answer for, for me was, you were always wanted. And it turned out that they had always celebrated my birthday every single year since I had been adopted. Every year around March 28th, on March 28th, they would buy a little cake, blow out a candle for me, be like, oh, it's your sister's birthday sort of deal. Another topic is how is your adoptive family treating you? They wanted to know how my family had, had been. And I told them very honestly, at the time, I always make the joke that I'm Caterella because I felt that I was a servant. I felt that my adoptive family looked at me like I was a servant. And I still feel that way to this day, but it's different now because I have more power and control in my life where before I felt like I didn't. Another topic that they asked was, how is America? What is it like over there? Are you, you know, then they wanted to know about friends. Did I have friends? To which I replied, no. And we got into the topic of life and trust and identity and all of these sorts of things where just all the different struggles I had gone through and how I got into writing because I started writing about my experiences of writing about my journey as a way to cope with how difficult I felt it was, how alone I felt. Every day I, I always say to somebody, I want you to know that someone somewhere is thinking of you. You are not alone. Someone somewhere cares because I felt that alone all of my life. That was a common topic of discussion for us because I needed to know how much I, I missed them. I needed to know how much I wish they were in my life. And now, thankfully, they are. And it's great. Have you been back to Russia? No, I don't think I plan on going. 
for me, I, I personally don't want to go to Russia. I guess there's this common fear that once you, as a Russian adoptee, go back to Russia, there's this misconception that you will not be let out of Russia. I think for me, it's not that. It's more about the guilt I would feel leaving my biological family because I know how hard they're struggling. But at the same time, I want to make my own life and I don't want to do it at the hands of my biological family. I think uh, there's a lot of fears that I can talk about, not just from the adoptee perspective, but from the uh, the parental adoptee uh, perspective, where my mom was always terrified that I was going to choose my biological family over that. Yeah, that's very common. Right. And this is something that adopted children don't understand at all. And they don't want to hear about, but they have to, it, it's important. It's important to at least hear because adopted parents give up a lot. They go through so much recently cleaning out the house because it's just me now. I found the adoption papers. I found the legal court case. I found everything that they had to go through, how much time, how much money, how, like all of the different social worker visits to make sure that they are okay to adopt a child, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. People don't realize, adoptees do not realize the struggle that a family goes through to even be able to adopt. And I think also once I realized that, it also reaffirmed like who I am as well, where I was, I was wanted by not just one set of parents, but two. I was wanted by my adoptive parents and my biological mother at the time. For me, there was such an overabundance of love going on. And sometimes we, as the adoptee, we have to go through a journey of hurt and pain in order to understand that. And we have to come into our own. And once we do, we are not only more sure of ourselves, but we're more sure of our journey and why we took the journey we did. Wow. That's, that's a big eye opener right there. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Wow. No, that's very well said. So what do you think an adoptee struggles with as they get older when they're facing their adoption years ago? I mean, we already touched upon the fact that, you know, we're going to see things differently when we're younger. And as we get older, we look back and we try to comprehend it more. And you mentioned you didn't really start to grasp it until end of high school, college years. As we get older, what do you think we're going to think about next about being adopted? I can only speak through my experience. So what I think is I want to, for me specifically, and I'm not sure about other adoptees, but I want to take the bad from my adoptive parent and learn from it. I think if there is something that we should focus on, it is that as adoptees. I do not believe that it is good to live your life in anger and in hurt. Anger is the secondary emotion because what you're feeling is hurt, betrayal, abandonment, uh, lack of confidence, identity crisis, or not necessarily crisis, but yeah, issues with um, identity. You feel yeah. lost, right? You feel lost. You feel like you can't trust others. Then you feel like you can't trust yourself. You you don't know where you fit in. And for me, it's more about when you're older. It's about asking yourself, not who was I. Who do I want to be? Who am I right now? 
Those are the questions. Because I look at my life where I see everything I've been through. And I, I, every time I tell my story, people ask me, like, why I'm alive? How did I survive all that? How am I coming out the other side in this way? And it's because I am able to look back third person myself, see what I've been through, see how it's making me stronger, ask myself right now, who am I right now in this moment? Who am I? And I'm able to also say, who do I, cat, want to be? Who do I want to be? How do I want to be? Do I want to be a person who is riddled in the hurt and the pain of the adoption itself? Or do I want to move on with my life? Do I want to make my life my own? Do I want to make it strong and good and learn from the bad and move towards the good, which is my ultimate goal? If I adopt in the future, I know for a fact, even if I have children of my own, I know that I want to take the bad that I that I experienced, learn, obviously learn from it more. And I don't want to put my child through that. So whatever decisions were made, I know for a fact I'm going to try and do them differently because I want to nurture my child. So right now, as a 31-year-old, now on her own without her parents, her adoptive parents, I look at it where it's like, what kind of person do I want to be for the potential future child that I'm going to have? And that is how I live my daily life. Do I want to be a person who is hurt and angry Do I want to be a good role model for people? Do I want to encourage people? Do I want to allow kindness and understanding of of people's experiences and things like that? And to the, the last answers of those few examples I've given, the answer is yes. I don't want to be a person who's riddled in pain. I've lived most of my life that way and it got me nowhere except into a deeper hole. I, I, you know, with depression, I've experienced a lot of that. I lived most of my life in depression. And the way I can only describe my journey to people is I walked through a tunnel. It's dark. I can't see anything. There's a light at the end. I fell into a well that was deep. And I started pacing around, trying to get out, trying to climb the walls, hurting myself as a result of it. And I, I walked around so much in circles. I fell through the floor. But I didn't just fall through the floor. I floated into this void where I was basically catatonic. And once my dad died, I went into a black hole. And I never thought I was going to get out of it until I did. I got out. I got out of this black hole. I went back through the void. I swam through it. I went back into the well and I managed to climb myself up. And I walked through that tunnel. Sometimes you'll stay in that tunnel but it may not be as dark as you remember it. Maybe there will be a little bit of light because you have someone guiding you. That's, that's me. I may still be in the tunnel. I may still, you know, I, I, I've been in the dark for so long that I can see. I can see in the dark. And when the light hits, it's usually pretty blinding. So for me, I want to act as a light for other people so that they can walk through their darkness and know they're not alone. For adoptees, who do you think is the best kind of, I guess you could say, guide toward navigating these types of struggles? Would you recommend talking to other adoptees, self-reflection, therapy, all the above? Or I guess, what are some different coping mechanisms that you could suggest to other adoptees? 
for me, what, what worked, I tried therapy. It didn't necessarily work for me. Now, that's not to say that it's not going to work for everyone, but I recommend it. It is okay if you do not go with the first therapist of your choice. It's okay. You can go and see like five different therapists until you find the one that is right for you. For me, I was alone. I had to self-reflect. I got here to where I am today by myself, by my own bootstraps, by my own will. And that's really a testament to myself. Um, I've healed myself through all of the trauma that I have been through. I also recommend, I really recommend talking to other adoptees because, and this is why this podcast is really beautiful because when other adoptees hear certain things, they feel less alone. They, they start to heal. But remember, the first step to healing is to want to heal. And that comes from you, the adoptee. You have to want to heal, to want to move forward with your life in a positive way. That's step number one. If you want to start talking to other adoptees, there are plenty of groups out there that will definitely facilitate that need. And if you feel that you would like more professional help, I definitely recommend going to a counselor, maybe there, or a therapist, psychologist. Maybe there are psychologists who specialize in adoption therapy, things like this, because that's where I wanted to go. Unfortunately, it's so expensive. I, I can't necessarily do it. Yeah. But I've been helping adoptees for a very long time, talking with them, treating it like it's a, a therapy session, a counseling session. And I, I, it is always my hope to do good, to help them, to at least help them begin that journey of self-reflection. Because without self-reflection, you can't get to the other steps. Wow. Yeah. So I have one more question for you. I always like to end every single interview with our guests as you well, no, because you probably made me do it. <laughs> I always ask if you could give any piece of advice to our listeners today, what would it be? Take your time. Take your time throughout your processes. Know that you are doing a great job. Know that someone somewhere is thinking of you. Someone somewhere in the world cares about you. Someone somewhere is proud of who you are, where you've been, where you are now, and where you want to be. If someone somewhere is proud of you, take that time to be proud of yourself and know that you are loved. Beautiful words from Kat down in New York. Thank you so much, Kat, for taking the time today to speak with us. Again, she's our producer here at Voice of Adoptees, and as you can tell, she's doing an awesome job. We really enjoyed having her today. Her episode will be available on our streaming services, as you know. You can check us out online voiceofadoptees.com. We'll see you next episode. And remember, Voice of Adoptees, who am I? Thanks for listening to Voice of Adoptees. Please take a moment to like, subscribe, and leave a review. See you next time.